If you would please take a copy of your scriptures and turning them to John chapter 17. John chapter 17, if you need a Bible, there should be some of the chairs uh, near you, and we're on page 903 there. And, and I'm, I'm a little sad because we are coming to the end of this sermon series in John chapter 17. It's been wonderful to study this high priestly prayer of Jesus with you and to, and to learn and to grow and to hear the things that you're learning and you're sharing with me. Thank you. So we got one more uh, ser- sermon in this series next week and to finish John chapter 17. And then starting in May and through the summer, we'll have a sermon series in the Psalms. So that's been our custom these last few years to working our way through the Psalms. And so looking forward to studying God's Word uh, in the Psalter with you. John chapter 17, we're just going to look at one verse. I'm going to read one verse this morning as we see the last thing that Jesus requests that He prays to the Father for us. This is God's holy Word to us this morning. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Pray with me. Father, yet again, in your amazing kindness, you have allowed us to to read and understand and study this prayer of our Lord Jesus. And so, Lord, help us to learn from it to grow from it, and to be drawn more and more to the heart of Jesus. Change us, we pray, Lord. It is in His Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let me ask you a question this morning. And perhaps it's a question that you've never considered for yourself. Here it is. What do you think that Jesus thinks when he thinks of you? What do you think Jesus thinks about you? Have you ever thought about that question? What do you think Jesus thinks of you? When Jesus thinks of Wilson Shirley, or Walt, or Julia, or Paul, or Sally, or Joe, what is Jesus thinking? In that moment, what comes to his mind? Well, first of all, we need to know this. Jesus does think of you. He does. He's God. He knows all things. He sees all things. He knows everybody. Nothing and no one can be hidden from God, as the children's catechism says. I think most of us don't realize that to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ means that He is our sovereign King. He knows us. He he thinks about us. We're we're on His mind and His heart. And so what does He think about us? What does Jesus think about us? Your answer to this question is, will say a lot about what you think about God. Your answer to that question has a lot to say about your theology. 
Do you think that Jesus doesn't think about you? That he's uninterested and he's too busy to think of you? Do you think that Jesus is disappointed in you? And that all he does is look down from the throne room of heaven with disappointment and disapproval? Do you think that Jesus is like a coach? And he's on the sideline of your life cheering you on saying, just win the game. Make me proud. And then I will be proud of you. And then we can celebrate together. Do any of these ideas resonate with you? This morning is my hope. And by the leading of the Holy Spirit and conviction from the truth of God's word, that you and I would be changed in our thinking. That our hearts would be changed this morning when we begin to think about Jesus. Because Jesus is much greater. He's much more loving and he's much more gracious than anything that we can imagine. And what I want you to see this morning is exactly what Jesus thinks of you. If you are in Christ Jesus... If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, then look at what he says about you in verse 24. This is what Jesus thinks. He desires, or he wills, that those who belong to him, those given to him by God the Father, will one day be with him and to see his glory. That's what Jesus thinks. The better word for his desire here might be will. He, he wills this to happen. Therefore, Jesus wills, he ordains, he decrees that those given to him by the Father will be with him in glory. This is the Lord Jesus' heart. This is his desire. This is his pleasure, is that you and me would be with him in glory forever. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that a wow moment? (laughs) Doesn't that encourage your heart? This is what Jesus thinks of you. If you you belong to him, he wants you to be with him forever. Why? Why does he want this? Why does he desire this? It's because he loves you. You belong to him. You You were given to him by God the Father, so of course he wants to be with you he desires to be with you jesus is not a a disapproving policeman up in the sky he's not a coach trying to get you the win of the game of life he's not a father that can never be satisfied no the bible describes jesus as the bridegroom and he loves his bride he cannot wait To be with his bride. And since this is true, Jesus has a truth for you and me this day that we need to grasp with all of our hearts and all of our minds. This truth that one day our full redemption will be accomplished and we will be with him. We will see him in his glory and we will be kept in his love forever. That is what Jesus desires. I agree with Martin Lloyd-Jones who once said that 
most of our problems, most of our problems, indeed, if not all of them, arise simply from the fact that we fail to realize the truth about Christian people, namely, these exceedingly great and precious promises that are found in this verse, they are for us. These promises are for us. That is what it means to be in Christ. How much of our lives could be changed this very day if we simply recalibrated our theology and, and focused on Christ and what He says in this verse? How much of our pain and our discouragement and our sorrow and our disappointment would be recalibrated because of what Jesus says about us in this verse? This is the, the fourth and the final petition that Jesus makes in this exalted prayer where he is praying for us. He's praying for his people. In verse 11, he prays for the, the preservation of his disciples, that they would be kept and secure in the Father's name. In verse 17, Jesus prays for the sanctification of his disciples, that they would be sanctified in the truth. In verse 20, Jesus prays for the spiritual unity of his followers, that they would share in the triune oneness of God. And now in verse 24, it's Jesus' desire that all those given to him by the Father would one day participate in his glory. Jesus prays that we would participate in his glory. So last week we saw how the, the, it was the cross, the resurrection, the ascension, glory of Jesus that was given to us. And now Jesus goes big here. He prays the big one. That one day all of his disciples would see Jesus in all his glory and be with him forever. It's a wonderful promise for us. So in verse 24, Jesus, is, Jesus prays that those who are in Christ, that those who have been given Him by the Father, that they would participate in His glory. That is what this verse is, is about, that we would participate in the glory of Jesus. And so this participation in Christ's glory means three amazing things for Christians from this verse, this one verse. Number one, it means that we will be with Christ. Number two, it means that we get to see Christ. And number three, that we will be fully kept in the eternal love of Christ. So first, let's look at participation in Christ's glory means that we will be with Christ. Jesus prays in this verse that his disciples would be with him in glory one day. And this is not just a, a request or a simple favor that Jesus is asking of the Father. He is saying that it is His will, it is His desire that we be with Him. Because Christians are those who have been given to the Son by the Father. And so Jesus' desire is that those who are given to Him would be with Him forever. So what exactly does this mean? It means that if you are a believer in Christ, if you are a Christian, it means that, if, that those who die in the Lord immediately ascend into the presence of Christ and are with Him forever. 
That was the truth that we confessed this morning from the Shorter Catechism, number 37. That the souls of believers do immediately pass into glory and are with Christ. What an amazing thing. A wonderful promise that we will get to be with Jesus one day in glory. We get to be with the one who lived and who died and who rose again for us forever. That's what Jesus thinks of you. He wants you to be with him. But it gets better. Because number two, participation in Christ's glory means that we get to see Christ. We will see Christ with our own eyes. We get to see him in his glory. Now this is an amazing thing when we really begin to think about it. What does it mean that we get to see Christ? If we would have lived over 2,000 years ago in ancient Israel, we would have saw Jesus as a man, walking, talking, breathing, playing, working. But we cannot see him now. It was not the appointed time in history that you and I were born. We don't get to see him walking around. He's not here. Where is he? He has ascended into heaven. He is in a, a physical place that we cannot see outside of our time and space. That is where Jesus is now. He has ascended into heaven. What does he look like right now if we could see Jesus? The Bible actually gives us a description in Revelation chapter 1 of this glorified God-man who was so glorious and so majestic that it was all John, the Apostle John could do to, to, to grasp hold of human language to describe what he was seeing because he said, I saw one who was like the Son of Man, but he was radiant like the sun. His glory and his radiance and his his majesty was so white hot, it was hard to describe. So simply put, right now, Jesus is arrayed in white hot glory as he is in heaven. And he is the all-powerful risen one. And Revelation says that in heaven, there's no sun. There's no sun illuminating everything. There's no S-U-N sun. Because the S-O-N, the Son of God, the Lamb, His radiance, His glory illuminates heaven. And Jesus desires that we would see Him one day. Seeing Jesus one day in glory will be a remarkable and glorious blessing for us. One day when we see Jesus in his glory, everything else will fade away. Nothing else will matter. Can, can you imagine that? I mean, what, what is it that's weighing you down right now? What is it that is worrying you? What is it that is on your mind right now? Can you imagine that going away in an instant? The glory of seeing the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus knows that his glory that he desires we will participate in, it is far greater than any glories of this life. Mark Jones said that the sight of Jesus is worth more than millions of worlds and will leave no person unsatisfied. 
Can you imagine in that moment being more satisfied, more full of joy and glory than you ever have at the sight of Jesus? There are many wonderful joys that we have on this earth, but nothing compares to the joy of seeing Christ and being with Him. But how do we see Jesus now? The Bible tells us to fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. You hear preachers say all the time, focus on the cross, look to Jesus. How do we do that? What does that mean if we cannot physically see Him? How do we behold the glory of God, the glory of Jesus, if we cannot see Him right now? How do we do it? It is through the pages of Scripture. It is through the holy, inerrant, inspired Word of God that we behold the glory of Christ. Until we see Jesus face to face, it is through the Word and the testimony of Scripture that we behold His face, that we behold His glory. Longing for that day, that one day, one day, we will get to see Him. The theologians call this the beatific vision. The beautiful vision, seeing Christ in glory. Jesus prays for you and me that we would see His glory one day. This means that we would behold it, that we would gaze upon His glory as a, as a spectator, that we would see something extraordinary and exceptional. And the glory that we will we'll get to see that Jesus speaks of is His glory as the, as the God-man. The glorified One who is fully God and fully man with a human nature and a deity. This is how he is in heaven now. Jesus is the white, hot, glorified God-man. And he tells Thomas, put your, put your hands here. He will have the, the nail-scarred hands, the pierced side in heaven as emblems of his glory and his grace. And for us, for you and I, the Bible says, for us to be able to see him like this, something amazing has to happen. Because no one can see the glory of God and live. There's several instances we read in the scripture where they wanted to die at, a, at the sight of the glory of God. How can we see him in our sinful state? Something amazing will happen to us. The Bible says we will be changed. We will be transformed. That our bodies will be transformed to be like His glorious body. And we will see Him as He is. Isn't that amazing to think about? What an awesome hope there is for us that we get to see Jesus one day in His glory. And we too will be glorified. But the third thing about the participation in Christ's glory means that we are kept in the eternal love of Christ. We are kept in the eternal love of Christ. This request that Jesus makes before the Father is founded in the truth that the Father loved the Son before the foundation of the world. Look there in verse 24. You see that last 
part of the sentence. He asked that we would be with him to see him in his glory, all because the Father loved the Son before the foundation of the world. Now think about that with me for a minute. Because this truth means something absolutely amazing. It, it, it's, it, it will give you a brain cramp when you begin to think about it. It means that before there was time, before anything and anybody was created, God did something. At this time, God was in perfect communion and love with himself. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They didn't need us. They had each other. Perfect communion, perfect fellowship. And yet this is when God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit did something amazing. We call this amazing thing the, count, the covenant of redemption. The covenant of redemption. The covenant before all covenants. It was this great meaning, meeting of the Trinity where God the Father came up with a plan of redemption. God the Son came forward to accomplish the plan of redemption. God the Spirit would apply the plan of redemption. And it is this moment that the church was given to Christ. That those whom God loved were given to Christ. The glory that Christ has in, this, in the next world is the glory that was prepared for Him from all eternity. Before time began, before anyone and anybody was created... God covenanted. As the eternal Son of God, from everlasting to everlasting, He is God. And He was given the church. For those of you who are asking, is He talking about predestination and election? Yes, I am. That is exactly what we're talking about here. The love of God that is beyond and better and greater than anything we can imagine. This truth is so deep, so mind-bending, so beyond our comp comprehension, yet it is the foundation of our hope. That before the foundation of the world, before anything was, God loved the Son and the, and the, and the church was given to the Son. Our ultimate hope is based in the love of God the Father for God the Son. It is that eternal relationship of love and perfect communion, that is the basis of God's love for us. This is why the Apostle Paul would declare in that great chain of salvation in Romans 8, for those who God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those He justified, He also glorified. And this is possible because God willed it. In the covenant of redemption, outside of space and time, before there was even time, God decreed it to happen. How great the Father's love is for us. 
Well, there you have it. God's love is far greater than anything we could fathom or anything we could come up with because it was planned before the foundation of the world. It was ordained in eternity because God's love is eternal. And you and I, we are kept in that love. We are secure in that eternal love. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? These are amazing truths for us to consider this morning. That participation in Christ's glory means that we get to be with Him forever one day. That we will see Him and that we are kept in His eternal love. And these truths matter tremendously. They mean a great deal for those of us who have lost loved ones, who have gone on to be with the Lord. What a great comfort this is to know those who are in Christ are with Jesus, seeing in His glory in that instant. This past week, a, a dear sister in Christ and a friend of our family in Mississippi went on to be with the Lord. She was only 39 years old. The mother of four children. We, we mourn her loss. But those who hold fast to these promises in Christ, we know that she is far better off than we are. For she now sees Christ. She is with Him in glory. She is face to face with her Savior. For the Christian, for those in Christ, death does not mean dying and being alone. Not at all. It means going to be with Christ forever and with His people forever. That is what is promised here. That is what Jesus desires for us. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that awesome? Isn't that joyous? These are amazing things that we're speaking of here. These are great and precious promises. They are very helpful for us to remember so that we remember our hope and the glory that awaits us. The Apostle Peter said it so well in 1 Peter chapter 1. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We have a living hope through the glory of Jesus Christ. And so it's to these things, it's to these great and precious promises, we praise God from whom all blessings flow. Pray with me. Father, help us to, to think of you and of our Savior in the way that he speaks in these truths. When, when life gets hard, when life gets discouraging, when life gets confusing, help us to hold fast to these promises 
that our Savior loves us, that He desires that we be with Him in glory one day. But until that day, oh Lord, help us to hold fast to this hope that is kept in Your eternal love for us. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.